From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me, Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thanks for downloading the latest podcast, hanging out with me for about half an hour or so. Glad you can do it. Keeps me out of trouble. Uh, last episode, uh, and, and I realized it as soon as I stopped recording, I'm a dumbass. Uh, I forgot to give a shout out uh, and a happy belated birthday to my sister Tracy down in Florida. Um, I, I called her and talked to her on her birthday. I just didn't make any mention of it in the podcast. And it, what what kind of struck me as weird about the phone conversation is, okay, she lives with my other sister down my in Florida, our youngest sister, who is married. So she lives with uh, both Kelly and her husband. Kelly was out of town when I called Tracy, helping her husband's family move. And I was like, well, I guess from Florida to Ohio. And I was asking Tracy, so are you spending your birthday alone? She goes, no, no, no. Jared's here. Jared being my other sister's husband. I'm like, well, why isn't he helping his family move? She goes, oh, because Kelly's uh, Kelly's going to do, do it. And uh, she already got lost in North Carolina. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's not surprising. But uh, Jared, uh, proven to be a pretty good brother-in-law, did make my sister some steak and mac and cheese for her birthday, so very cool. And uh, it was really good talking to her. A uh, big day today for uh, our oldest, Lana, six-year-old, ha- is now a kindergartner. She's got day one under the under her wings in the books, uh, in the can, whatever. Uh, so she's she's happy. She's excited. She's she was a little shy because new teacher. And a new classroom full of students because uh, the way it breaks down here, the uh, school she attends, I mean, she, last year she was in preschool with one group, pre-kindergarten, with one group of students. Now there's like four different kindergarten classes, so they uh, they mix them up every year. And I think that's pretty much uh, the protocol uh, from here on out. So she, she's getting herself reacclimated to uh, to school life once again. But she said she had a pretty good day, so that's good. Uh, and a personal milestone for me, I was able to finish this summer all three books of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes, I, I put away uh, Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and Return of the King. And I just finished that book last night, so very pleased with myself. Next book, uh, American Prometheus, which I'll probably start here in about a week or two. Uh, about Robert Oppenheimer, the book that, of course, the movie is loosely based on. Uh, I'll compare and contrast when I get to that. Quite a few RIPs here. Uh, First one, Robert Swan, character actor. You may not know him, but you might have seen him. Uh, He's an Indiana native, and he's been in a few movies, uh, most notably as a, a priest in Rudy, and he was Gene Hackman's assistant coach in Hoosiers. You know, the non Dennis Hopper assistant coach passed away here in indiana uh pretty cool to be in those movies so our thoughts and prayers to his family uh william friedkin great director he passed away just a couple days back uh, the guy that brought us the french connection which uh, netted gene hackman his first oscar the exorcist which scared the hell out of a lot of people pretty hard to sit through some scenes and then they had um to live and die in L.A., William Peterson playing the obsessed uh, Secret Service agent, 
and the villain in this one uh, being Willem Dafoe. And one thing I saw on Twitter was like, uh, uh, the U.S. Treasury was actually pretty concerned about this movie because the the heart of the movie is about counterfeiting. And Friedkin's movie was so detailed on how to counterfeit money that it was actually kind of, uh, it actually got the ire of the U.S. government. Like, they told him not to put stuff in there. And like any good artist, he, you know, he put it in there. So, again, no longer with us. And Robbie Robertson... Uh, the guy behind The Band, which is the name of The Band. Uh, he passed on earlier today at the age of 80. Uh, the Band was a backing band to Bob Dylan. Then they went and did their own thing. Uh, a couple of their big songs include The Waiting Up on Cripple Creek and uh, the big uh, the big movie, The Last Waltz, that he did with uh, uh, Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese recording concerts that they did Thanksgiving weekend in their native San Francisco and uh, those two would work together on numerous film projects. And again, he passed away earlier today. Oh, hey, uh, just to show you uh, art respecting art, Steven Soderbergh, guy that uh, was behind uh, Traffic and Sex, Lies, and Videotapes, apparently, uh, I was reading this story last night, uh, was key to Christopher Nolan's success because, you know, Nolan did Memento. That was like his big breakthrough film about 20-odd years back. And uh, he was trying to get in on, at Warner Brothers to direct Insomnia, which he eventually would. But there was an executive that was not too hot on that because he did not like Memento. And somehow he, this executive in Soderbergh was on the phone and, and Soderbergh really loved the movie. He goes, well, okay, you didn't like the movie. Well, no, I didn't really care for the story, but do you think it was well made? Well, yeah, I think I said, you know, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you, know, you did a pretty good job. Well, you guys sit in on this meeting. So he sits in on that meeting, and Christopher Nolan goes on to direct uh, Insomnia, and of course the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, so much more, and of course Oppenheimer, which is uh, one of the movies that have done pretty well for the for itself this past summer. Uh, Barbie, of course, it's it's her summer, big summer. It's uh, sticking it to the man, and uh, all the while the man is profiting from this. Uh, I guess. Uh, the weird Barbie character in there uh, that Kate McKinnon plays, uh, you know, the one that looks mutilated because, uh, you know, the kid plays uh, shop, beauty shop with her, so she looks all weird. Uh, they're going to sell a Barbie doll based on that character online, uh, Mattel is. And it's going to be a limited edition, and you could get online in uh, pre-order or uh, buy the pre-sale. Yours for only $50. I mean, you could go into a Target or a Walmart and buy a basic Barbie doll. Like, what, five, ten bucks? Something like that? About ten dollars? Go and buy that. Give it to your uh, your artistic, adventurous daughter. Give her a pair of scissors. Give her markers. Let her go to town and it'd be a lot cheaper than that. But uh, they're capitalizing on that. So, uh, you know, capitalism. Way to go, Mattel. Who, who would have known that a movie about a doll would spur more... Uh, <laughs> merchandising opportunities, right? I mean, it's, this is like the, the female George Lucas thing. Uh, so, what was it? Mark Marin went on this rant uh, over the weekend that uh, men that hate Barbie uh, or uh, want it canceled are, you know, big babies and, you know, this is what the movie's all about. I, it might, my whole thing is that it, you can't cancel a movie unless you've seen the movie. 
And even if I saw the movie and I didn't like it and I have no plans to go see it, I wouldn't call for its cancellation because I, that's just not how I roll. If I don't like something, I'll tell you why I don't like something. And if somebody doesn't like a movie they go went and saw, guess what? They plop down the money. Um, it doesn't make them a redneck uh, right winger uh, who hates women uh, because if that was the case, then Bill Maher would be a redneck <laughs> right winger who hates women because he went to the movie and he hits hard at Barbie. He says he liked some parts of it, but I guess he was talking about, uh, what was it, the zombie lie. Because it was talking about how, you know, this is patriarchy, and men are sexist, and society is, is sexist. And he goes, maybe this would have held water 20, 25 years ago, but that just isn't the case today. And he made uh, a point, I guess. Uh, there's a scene that shows that all the guys in the boardroom, the board of directors for Mattel in the movie, were like 12 white dudes. Whereas uh, in the real world, I think it's like, what, seven male, five female, or seven female, five male, I don't know. You, you guys choose, right? Uh, but but his point was like, this, this just seems to go too hard. And it doesn't really reflect the world that we live in. So his take is maybe this isn't a perfect satire like everybody is making it out to be. Uh, but I'm sure people want to talk about how Bill Maher is a Republican sellout or some shit. I don't know. He, he's just his, he's his own guy, you know? I mean, he's a left-leaning dude, but he's his own guy. And anybody that's his own guy and comes up with his own opinions and his own views on things, uh, you, you would think that would garner more respect. But uh, no, people like to be lemmings. That's just it. Oh, uh, speaking of lemmings... Uh, the superhero movie, it's its kind of on the wane right now. Uh, I don't know if it's superhero fatigue necessarily because uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 did fairly well this summer. They, those movies did pull, pull in some pretty decent box office numbers, um, but they were well done. I just think it's, you know, shit movie fatigue uh, that's got people going. I mean, Indiana Jones isn't necessarily a superhero Ethan Hunt is not necessarily a superhero, but those movies didn't do so well at the box office. And The Flash, less said about that, the better. But Adam Devine, you know, he's uh, this alleged comedic actor, and he was talking about how, like, because of these big budget blockbuster movies, uh, the comedy is dead. It's hard to do comedy. He's had to walk that back since. But it's kind of stupid because, I mean, Barbie. Uh, love it or hate it, I mean, it has crossed the billion-dollar mark in terms of uh, box office. And comparatively speaking, I mean, it's kind of high for a comedy, the budget, $140 million. But as mentioned last episode, Secret Invasion, the TV show on Disney Plus that nobody watched, cost $212 million. So it's a relative bargain. And and Sound of Freedom, which is a low-budget flick, I think it costs like maybe $10, 15000000 million to put that movie together. It's made all that money back and then some. It's like a low-key, low-budget success. If you make it, they will come. If you make something that people want to go see, uh, they will go and they will see it. They will watch it. Maybe they'll like it. Um, the problem with comedy isn't the superhero movie. The problem with comedy is comedy uh, because comedy has been dumbed down so much where 
you're afraid to push boundaries and you're afraid to push buttons and you're afraid to be satirical because you don't want to offend anybody. I mean, I don't think Barbie necessarily has that problem. Again, I think with Bill Maher, what he was suggesting is that this movie probably came 20 years too late. Uh, so it's making money. Uh, it's got an audience, but that, that was his perspective. The thing is, I mean, if you're going to make a comedy, you're going to offend somebody. That's that's how that rolls. And if you're just going to do something to make dick and fart jokes, you're going to fail every time. So Adam Devine, quit blaming Spider-Man for your problems. Figure it out, my man. Uh, Disney Plus, kind of keeping in the Disney realm. Uh, if it wasn't enough to have shows that were too damn expensive and elusive subscribers, they've decided to declare war on their existing subscribers. Uh, Disney Plus and Hulu announced that uh, for the premium subscriptions, the ad-free subscriptions, those prices will be going up yet again by year's end. And if that wasn't enough, they're going to take a page out of Netflix's uh, book and pretty much declare war on anybody that is sharing passwords. They're going to crack down on password sharing. That should get revenue right on up, Bob Iger. Uh, do that. Uh <laughs> I mean, if, if you guys put content on there that people wanted to see, I don't think that would be a problem. You know, and, and uh, it's I've mentioned this time and time again, streamers have a hard time coming up with content that people want to see and being able to deliver that with a fairly decent budget because you you have basically what you're making from subscription fees. That's it. You don't have advertising underwriting a lot of this stuff i mean yeah you have the ad uh, the ads packages for some of these things but who really wants to freaking sit through commercials uh, so disney plus will probably lose more subscribers by years and and there's they keep hearing these war drums of um a possible sale to apple i saw this shared i think was it variety or the Hollywood Insider. It was one of those um, uh, trade magazines. And they say that while it's unlikely, it is possible due to the fact that you have certain people that have sat on boards, you know, close, chummy friendships, and the fact that Bob Iger is looking to prune some properties from the Disney brand just to make it look a little more affordable, a little more uh, palatable for anybody that wants to wade in on uh, shitty movie and television making. This is something that will uh, bear watching. Will it bear fruit, this Disney-Apple thing? See what I did there? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, uh, it's been, what, four days now since the U.S. women's soccer team uh, flubbed against Sweden in the uh, the World Cup down in uh, Australia. I think it was Melbourne. And I think a lot of us are glad to see Megan Rapinoe get on out. Because just... It, it, it's not the talent, it's the attitude. And everything's wrong in this country, and it's kind of hard to get behind somebody who criticizes you every little bit, every freaking day. And there is this divide between sports fans and sports media. Sports media wants you to swallow whole what it's selling, and sports fans, they're the customers. But yeah, sports media doesn't care that they're the customers. And I guess ESPN put out a three-minute tribute package. A three-minute tribute package to Megan Rapinoe's career, even though very few people actually watched Megan Rapinoe's career. Uh, 
And a lot of sports media types don't understand it. They don't get it. They really don't get it. Uh, I don't know. Is this the DC a-hole on Twitter? He's only got a couple of hundred followers. Uh, he was uh, retweeted by Gay Patriot, uh, who is a conservative and who is gay and really likes to just tell certain people to f off. Uh, but but this is this this is a uh, tale of two cities, basically, sports media and sports fans. And sports media doesn't understand why you hate Megan Rapinoe, why you can't stand Megan Rapinoe. Uh, Sam Stein uh, tweeted shortly after uh, the U.S. women's exit, maybe you're just a bit too... T Let me try that again. Maybe you're just a bit too into politics if you're taking obscene joy in the U.S. women's soccer team losing. Ah. That was one thing that the D.C. a-hole tweeted. That's one picture. But then uh, he uh, tw uh, tweeted Greg Price's uh, follow-up on Megan Rapinoe. After the loss at the World Cup today, Megan Rapinoe was asked what her favorite memory of playing for the U.S. soccer was. Her response was equal pay. I mean, equal pay. Not not a particular game-winning shot. Not uh, a great game that she played. Not maybe you know fond memories with her teammates. Equal pay. A political movement. Political. And... Sports media blames you for making it political when she herself makes things political. It was being sold by sports media. Hey, look at this great, caring, soapbox star. Why don't you love her? And that's basically night and day. Night and day right there. Uh, oh, speaking of sports and media, uh, I guess the uh, Netflix Johnny Football uh, <laughs> documentary dropped. And you're going to be surprised why one of the, one of the reasons was that he flamed out of the NFL. Apparently, Johnny Manziel, when he was uh, the guy in Cleveland, when he was supposed to be QB one and carry this franchise, did 0, 0.0 hours of playbook reading, of film watching. He did nothing in terms of homework, which would explain his abysmal performance as the starter of the Cleveland Browns. And he just said that uh, he felt empty and hollow and uh, being in his condo downtown Cleveland was the only way he could get away from people. You know, being surrounded by the city that he's going to play in. Uh, maybe, maybe he should have gone for a more rustic setting. I don't know. Yeah, of course, he was downtown not to get away from it all, but to get into everything. I mean, if you got a condo downtown, you're there for the nightlife. You're there uh, to be seen. And uh, if you're not willing to put in the work, Johnny Boy, that's that's why you failed. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I am not an athlete uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I do, I do watch a lot of football, and I know that if you're going to be – QB1 in the NFL, there is a lot of pressure, and you got to rise to meet that. And if you don't, well, you might as well just hand back that big paycheck that you were giving you. Speaking of big paychecks, uh, that's what you would need to buy the Dallas Cowboys, the most profitable NFL franchise still. Uh, even though they haven't won a Super Bowl in almost, almost 30 years, they're still worth like over $9 billion. I think New York Giants... Might be a distant second, like with six billion. The Colts are down toward the bottom. My team, 
uh, with four billion. But there's a lot of NFL teams that are worth only four billion dollars. Just only, yeah. You would have to win like uh, eight power uh, mega millions or Powerballs uh, with jackpots over a billion to just to buy one because you know a lot of that would be taken out taxes. Uh, but uh, Jerry Jones has got a good thing, and uh, he's probably never going to relinquish that. Uh, you know who does not have a good thing? It would be Anheuser-Busch. Uh, as you know, they've been struggling this year for reasons unknown, and uh, they have decided this week to sell eight of their brands, uh, which include Red Hook, Shock Top, and a few other ales to Tilray, and they're like a cannabis company out of Canada. They're going to sell them. For $85 million. I was reading this. I think this was Men's Journal. And not one mention of Megan Mullaney was in this article. Oh, this deal was in the works for quite some time. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, it just happened to happen uh, months later. After you guys have been losing nothing but money. But uh, yeah, Tilray is going to uh, buy some of these brands. Anheuser-Busch still has quite a few brands that they might have to sell later on this year. It is a to-be-continued with this because uh, they're still losing money. And they don't think Bud Light as a brand will ever recover. Now, California. Will this place ever recover? I mean, it's, it's one of those things. You get what you pay for. You get what you vote for. Uh, but I happen to think there might be a few reasonable people in California. They're just dragging their feet as to when the hell they can get out of there. Uh, I, you might have heard me uh, mention this story not too long ago. Stockton, California, convenience store workers got fed up with this, uh, this shoplifter who kept coming in their store and taking food, taking smokes, and then uh, he gets behind the count. And by the way, he threatened to shoot these guys one previous visit. So he's already deranged, and he's already causing trouble. And uh, these two gentlemen, who are both Sikh, I'm just pointing this out because if you're a Sikh, you're probably not a white supremacist. They got fed up with this idiot when he decided to come back behind the counter with a trash can and start filling it with tobacco product because cigarettes are a little bit pricey. They're a little expensive. They are heavily regulated. It's their livelihood here. So they decided to beat the crap out of this dude. Well, uh, a lot of people applauded him because, hey, man, you're fighting back. This is your business. You know, you're, you're, you're protecting your paycheck. You're protecting your ability to live. The cops investigated these two gentlemen when it was clear what this guy was doing. The cops investigated him. I think no charges will be pressed because of this. But this is insane because I don't think, because of the stories I was reading, I couldn't make heads or tails if the shoplifting uh, guy here, the shoplifter, if he was going to be convicted. The only thing I got was like he was taken to the hospital for injuries that were non-life-threatening and he's going to be okay and they didn't know, well, you know, what was going on with him. It sounds like they probably released him back into the wild, which is a problem. Because he'll probably be back there or back at another convenience store causing trouble. But these two employees, they were investigated like criminals. I mean, yeah, it was caught on camera, but you knew why they were beating the crap out of this dude. Because, again, he was putting their livelihood at risk. Yeah. So, 
Moving on from Stockton, California to Oakland, California, um, uh, unfortunately, a 60-year-old man who lived in that town uh, was gunned down while doing yard work recently. And neighbors, of course, were mortified and horrified by this because who shoots a 60-year-old man doing yard work? Well, apparently thugs. And the Oakland Police Department have just a fail-proof plan to keep those citizens safe. And that is, use air horns. Freaking air horns. Not uh, call 911. Not uh, maybe you should keep your doors locked. Maybe you should own a firearm legally. No. Air horns. Well, maybe if you honk it a couple times and scream DJ Khaled, uh, the perpetrator will run away. Because God knows if I was a criminal and somebody shouted DJ Khaled at me, I would probably, probably run off. But this is cartoon crap right here. I mean... You're telling your citizens to protect themselves with horns. And you're investigating citizens for fighting back against criminals. It is almost like the law-abiding citizens are being penalized for other people's problems. You can't live in any of these cities out there. Uh, and, of course, this is just going to eke into other towns. I mean, I live just outside of Fort Wayne. It's nowhere near as big as Chicago, but it's got its problems. Chicago, just about two, three hours away, had homeless people living in the airport begging for change and crap. In California, I mean, it's just like a different problem every day with criminals. And, and the response is, okay, do something stupid. Maybe they'll go away. Or if you do something that makes sense, uh, we're going to have the cops talk to you. You know, maybe these people voted for what's happening. Maybe they didn't. Uh, if they didn't, I would encourage them to get out. If they did, I hope you guys learned something from it. Holy crap. All right. So this woman is the luckiest woman around. No, she did not win Mega Millions. That person lives down in Florida. This woman is in Texas. Uh, she was mowing her yard, and I'll tell you why she's lucky. She was mowing her yard, gets by a tree, a freaking snake falls out of the tree and starts wrapping itself around her arm. And it's not a gardener snake, mind you. It's a pretty deadly reptile. She starts screaming and flailing around, and then a hawk comes out of the sky and starts attacking her, maybe like four passes before it was finally able to rip the snake off her arm. Her arm's all bruised and swollen and scratched to hell. Her husband's like, what the hell happened? Takes her to the hospital. Uh, I, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Uh, but they had to treat it like it was a snake bite. She was not bitten by the snake. But they had to keep her under observation just to make sure. Because I guess during the incident, she broke her glasses and snake venom actually ended up on the lens. So this was like real touchy here. Out in Texas, very lucky to be alive. She was attacked by both a snake and a mostly well-meaning bird of prey. <laughs> or at least a hungry bird of prey. Uh, you don't have to worry about that so much in Indiana. I don't think... I mean, I don't have any trees. I don't have to worry about that crap. But, I mean, this this, this would be this alone would keep me from wanting to live out in Texas. Just the deadly critters out there. Like uh, the, the snakes, the, the spiders, the scorpions... Yeah, you guys do you. I'll I'll admire Texas from afar, man. I have nothing against Texas. If you can deal with that stuff, 
fine. I just want to mow my yard, come back out on the porch and drink a cold beer and not go to the ER if I can help it. And uh, finally, speaking of deadly critters, uh, I guess this wedding out in Colorado had an unwanted guest. A bear crashed the wedding reception. Literally, this, they had like an outdoor wedding out in Boulder, Colorado, and this bear came barreling in and started eating all the desserts and stuff. And of course, nobody was going to tell the bear to leave because that's the perk of being a bear. No one tells you shit unless, of course, they got a gun. And even then, it could be a draw when you think about it. I have a lot of bear stories lately. Now, I don't know if this was an actual bear, because as you know, ever since that China film footage came out from that zoo, questioning a lot of things now. Kind of have to. Scary world. All right, with all that said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh, cheese bears. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.